The good shepherd loves his people because the Lord calls them my sheep. There is now a personal attachment. And if we think of other passages in the Bible, we could say he's married to his people because this church is his bride and she is greatly loved and he calls them my sheep. And so as soon as the father contracted with the son in this covenant arrangement to bear the sins of his people, the Lord Jesus, as a husband, takes charge of the bride, his sheep, his people, and his love for each and every one of them is paramount in his heart. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and today we're going to let the Lord Jesus speak where he said in John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And of course, this is the big reason why he is the good shepherd. Now, he's not merely coming to love his sheep, but to lay down his life for them. And that meant taking all the horrors of hell, all the condemnation and wrath of God in his own body and soul. And the hymn writer put it, we may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear, but we believe it was for us. He hung and suffered there. And the Lord Jesus suffered such excruciating wrath and the, the curse of sin in his own body, that none of us can go there. Indeed, there was such darkness that fell around the cross, and there was such a, a shutting out of the world, and God himself was, yes, causing God to suffer. God the Father caused God the Son to suffer, in his human body that he took to be our Redeemer and our Savior. And all the load of sin, all the curse of sin, all the guilt and condemnation that was due to you and to me fell upon the body of our Lord Jesus upon that cross. He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin. He took the load of sin. It was transferred unto him to his account, and God punished his Son in our place. This is substitutionary atonement. It is Jesus' propitiatory sacrifice offering up to the Father a sufficient offering that it would please God and thereby set sinners free. And so we are saved by that amazing and wonderful redeeming work of our Lord Jesus. And today, this is our message, Jesus taking the burden of sin in the sinner's place, your place, my place, and taking that condemnation, 
leaving us therefore now with no condemnation. That's the miracle and the wonderful good news of the gospel. Now we have a hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. Stay tuned as we get to this message after the hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. But the Lord's not out to make himself rich out of you and me from our material things. But our Lord himself was selfless, even unto death. He was not working for the wages of filthy lucre. He came to purchase at infinite cost through his own precious blood. And the only reward that the Lord Jesus receives is the well done of his heavenly Father when he presents his sheep, his people, to the Father on that great day. And he says, Father, here are the people that you've given me. I have taken them as mine. I have washed them in my blood. I have kept them out of the world. And here you are. I'm glorifying them, bringing them into your presence. And the Lord, of course, will receive glory on that day for the final work of redemption. And so he is truly the good shepherd who loved his sheep unto 
Now allow me to go a little further in this. I don't want to just pass, you know, Jesus died for us. And when you talk to your friends, family, or to whomever you might be witnessing, and you say, Jesus died for us, we need to be able to explain what that involved, what it meant, and what it accomplished. And so let's think about this, where the Lord Jesus became the good shepherd. And you'll notice what the text says, and I'm saying these things because the text says it. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That's the point. I am the good shepherd for this reason. This is the evident reason. I give my life. Now, what was involved in the Lord Jesus laying down his life for the sheep as a sin bearer? Well, let's begin in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26, and verse 36. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. Now I want you to notice, exceeding sorrowful. This is immeasurable sorrow. It was such sorrow in the soul of the Lord that he himself used the word exceeding, exceeding sorrowful. It's beyond comparison, even unto death. And then the Lord went a little further and he prayed, and we get the record of what he prayed to his Father in that hour of deep anguish of soul. He said in verse 39, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now this cup was the cup of suffering. It was his lot as the Savior of his sheep to bear their sins, to bear all the wrath of God due to them to become their Savior and substitute. And the Lord saying, if it be possible, but it wasn't possible. There was no other way, certainly nothing revealed, by which the Father could save his people apart from the cruel death and sufferings of our Lord Jesus. But that cup, because the Lord Jesus not only prayed, if it be possible, let it pass, and then he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then uh, we find uh, later on, verse 42, he prayed again a second time, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And so the Lord Jesus took the cup. And it is well said that, that from that very hour, that point in the garden, the Lord Jesus became the criminal, the sinless, pure, white Son of God, took upon him the guilt of his sheep, his people. He took upon him the work of redeeming them. And he was a criminal that night in the garden. They came to arrest him. He was a criminal that night before the Sanhedrin, a criminal before Pilate, a criminal led out to Calvary, a criminal hanging on the cross, 
because he took the cup of suffering in our place. And all the depths of that suffering and of that sorrow, it was untold, exceeding sorrow, even unto death. And we know that in the garden of Gethsemane that he was so pressured that his very sweat pours poured forth blood and sweat. This was the intensity of the suffering that our Lord Jesus was enduring. And so the Lord was moved to the deepest of sorrow. Now I want you to grasp here that the Lord was not just numbered among transgressors. You know that text in Isaiah that he was accounted among transgressors. He was not just one of many. He was the Lord moved to deep sorrow for his people, and all their sins were laid on him. All the weight of guilt, all the condemnation, all the horror of the sin of each and every sinner for whom he died, and all the sins that they had committed, the totality of their sins laid on the Lord Jesus. The weight of it was exceeding even our description or imagination. Oh, the depths of the sorrow of the Lord Jesus. Now, there is a verse in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, uh, that helps us to grasp this sense of taking upon him the weight and burden of our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21. For he, that is the Father, made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How can we grasp this? God the Father laying upon his own Son the totality of the sins, the condemnation, and God's wrath for that sin upon his own Son, on the one who knew no sin, that we who did sin might become the righteousness of God, might enjoy reconciliation with God. How could the Lord Jesus bear such a weight and such infinite sin upon his own person? It's staggering. It's beyond our comprehension. It is amazing. And therefore, the whole gospel is indeed amazing grace. Here's a little illustration that might help. Think of a seesaw out in a play park. And you know, a family will run in there and you'll get a few brothers climbing on on one side and maybe you'll get dad on the other side. And the weight of the father, he is maybe outweighs the, 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 the list of boys that's climbing on at the other end. And so as the dad sits on that seesaw, they go up and he goes down because of the weight that he carries. Well, think of the Lord Jesus, how sin was laid on him. And that weight of sin was laid on him, all with the intent of raising up every one of his people, every one of his sheep, to righteousness, to holiness, to glory. But as we are lifted up out of the gutters of sin and one day into glory, the Lord Jesus had to bear that weight of sin down into the depths 
where he in reality bore hell for us. Now I'm not saying that he was physically in hell, but he took the punishment, the infinite wrath of God upon himself. He descended that we might be raised up out of the sins and the condemnation of them in our own body. Now, one last thought today. This good shepherd loves his sheep so much that he promises that he will never leave nor forsake them. And I think of Peter, who on that night when our Lord was condemned, denied the Lord. What a horrible thing. What a terrible thing. And yet we know the story of Peter's restoration. Peter failed the Lord. Peter wept bitterly over his own failure and his sin. But the Lord had mercy on him and restored him. The Lord never leaves even his sin. They sin. There is restoration for every one of us. Another one in, in the New Testament that was restored was, was John Mark. He was Barnabas' nephew. John Mark. He, for some reason, ended up on the sidelines. He lost out for a, quite a period, and yet later was restored and looked upon as useful in the work of God. And there are times when we feel that we've been led aside. Whatever strange path we took, whatever wrong turn we took, whatever sin we might have committed and grieved the Lord, and we have lost the joy and lost the victory in our own souls. Well, the Lord doesn't forsake his sheep. He loves us to the end. Indeed, there's a text that says that in the book of John. Having loved his own, he loves them unto the end. And the Lord will never reject his own sheep. Those that are marked, blood-bought, those that are given to the Lord Jesus by the Father, and those who are his own covenant people. But to be restored, we have to do what Peter did and what John Mark may have done was come back to the cross. We have to come to that very cross where our Lord Jesus suffered and bled for us. There's no other way to have our sins washed. There's no other way to be free from guilt but to come back to the cross. And so if you feel at a distance, if you feel sidelined in the work of God or in your walk with God, the Lord restores. He draws us again and he brings us again into wonderful fellowship. And so we have this parable of the sheep. And you think of sheep, they have many problems. So do Christians. Sheep are prone to have bad feet. They get infected. They can maybe get some thorn in the foot and it bleeds, gets infected, and then they're lame. And lame sheep don't do well, nor do lame Christians. Christians need a walk that's close to the Lord. If you're lagging behind and losing your step with the Lord, you need the Savior's help. Sheep also can roll on their back and are unable to rightify themselves. I've seen that many times. They just fall into a little hollow in the, in the ground, and they just can't get back on their feet again. And that happens to Christians too. They fall on their back, and they need to be lifted up and restored. Sheep get caught in thorns. I don't see too many thorn hedges around here, uh, but in many parts of the world there are lots of thorny hedges. And even in Israel, there were calvary thorns. They were thorn pricks this long. And if sheep got entangled in that, they could not free themselves. The shepherd would even have to take a knife to cut the wool to free them. 
And so Christians get tangled up in this world, and the world gets a grip of us. And we need the Lord to set us free from the power of the world and its, its lust and its allurements. The Savior needs to do that. Sheep also worry a lot. They do a lot of worrying. If they hear a dog barking, they might all scrum in one corner of the field in fear. And Christians do a lot of worrying too. That's why you have in the Bible so many fear nots. Or when the Lord appeared to his disciples over and over again, he said, Peace be unto you. He knew that their hearts were filled with fear. And so the Lord as our shepherd is the one who brings peace and joy and gladness into our hearts. Something else about sheep, they get lost a lot. They seem to wander, get out of the path. There's a hole in the hedge, they'll find it, and off they'll be gone, and they scatter. Christians can do that too. And in church life, we learn that people come and people go, and some are trying to find their way. But of course, the bottom line is this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father. But And so our job is to point sinners as finger posts to the, to the Savior. There's a way back to God. There's a way to blessing. There's a way to delightful service in the Lord when we come afresh to the Lord Jesus. One more thing about sheep, and that is they get sick. They get sickly. But the Lord is the health of his people. He nourishes and feeds us. The best antidote to sickliness in sheep is to feed them well. When sheep are well fed, they can stem off many sicknesses. It's the same with Christians. When Christians are well fed, and they're in the Word, and they're growing in grace, and they're happy in the Lord, then the things of the world and all of those temptations so often cease and they become victorious in the power of the Lord. Let us not forget that wonderful text, Psalm 23, He maketh me to lie down in green pasture, he leadeth me. And surely that's the prayer for one another here today in our congregation, that every one of us as the Lord's people will be well fed. That's why we pray for the preacher. That's why we pray for the book to be opened to us, and for our own habits of reading and studying the Word, that we feed, get a grip of the great truths of the gospel, and thereby, being well-fed sheep, we overcome the things of When I think of my Savior's great love, in coming from heaven above to die on the tree for a sinner like me i am sure that he loves even me
think how he saves me from sin Though often ungrateful I've been My vow I renew To be faithful and true For I'm sure that he loves even me listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Collier. And I thank you for joining with us on the program today. I have this little booklet again called A New Beginning, and it deals with some problems that new Christians may have. We need also to recognize that while you are in the flesh, you will have a bitter warfare against sin. The Bible guarantees this, and it says in Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. This passage makes it clear that Christians still have to battle the flesh. But the last clause holds the key to a victory. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit indwelling him. The spirit opposes the flesh and keeps the believers back from slavery to it. The more you yield to the control of the Holy Spirit, the more you will overcome sin. And so here is victory. And that's exactly what you need. And I'd happy to send you this booklet, A New Beginning, which will remind you of these things and enable you to look them up. And then you can get your Bible and pray over them and plead the victory that every Christian should know through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, living in your soul. And if I can pray for you, well, I'm only a phone call away. Give me a call at 604-897-2040. And you can be in touch online as well at ltbs.ca. There you'll have helpful articles and access to these programs that we're airing on the radio. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord encourage your heart and lead you to personal faith in the Lord Jesus and to victory through Calvary. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.